trying their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. East Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys. Underbuster Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Marcus fighting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bello. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible Jarvis Jones. The game winner got it. Ball game. East Tennessee State's going to leave on another. They got him. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown to one Stinson. 25 yards. J.J. German for the win. He got it. J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. Say hello to my new friend. What's your name, man? I told you. It doesn't matter what your name is. You're handsome. You have the perfect amount of scruff. And you still have no talent. It's Sandos and the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Good Friday, Jay Sandos, Mike Gallagher, another exciting edition of Sandos and the Sidekick. And my goodness, what a game last night inside Freedom Hall. If you were a college basketball fan and didn't have a dog in the fight, you had to enjoy every single second of that contest. And certainly if you're a fan of one side, you're happy. And if you're a Buck fan, uh, not so much today. But I don't feel like uh, as disappointed as uh, any other loss this season. That was a fun, clean game to watch. It didn't go ETSU's favor. Certainly, ETSU had chances. Even Wofford had chances to end the regulation to win the contest, but uh, we'll be talking about it in depth starting in just a second. Then we'll preview tomorrow's game, ETSU versus Furman on the men's side. Then on the women's side of things, it will be head coach Brittany Zell at home versus the arch nemesis Chattanooga. Bold predictions finally, but Mike, I think we have to start with what was a spectacular college basketball game last night. Build as the game of the night and lived up to it. And I almost got into it with some people on Twitter last night. Almost. I literally had a response typed out to a tweet that was claiming that Radford and Hampton was the game of the night. Oh my now, now 101-98 in overtime, sure, that's a good game, but Hampton is 10-12 and 12 overall. They're sixth in the Big South. There have to be high stakes when you're talking game of the night. The 30th or 40th best game of the night doesn't automatically jump to number one simply because it went to overtime. For ETSU and Wofford, championships are at stake. For ETSU now, they're very behind the eight ball in that sense for a regular season championship. And you're also talking about, in terms of conferences, one of, if not the best mid-major conference this year in the Southern Conference. And the Big South, we already know my feelings. I won't go in depth to uh, to them again uh, because I feel like I would be beating a dead horse at this point if you listen to the show. But you just can't make the claim for Radford and Hampton being the game of the night, regardless of how good of a game it was, because only one team had something on the line. For these two teams last night, there were high stakes. There were incredible turns and events and sequences that you thought the game was going one way or another and certainly I think two teams worthy of the acclaim entering the night. Yeah, I, I think that was sometimes you get the, and we kind of speculated a little bit yesterday, like, could this be the disappointment where everyone is, is turning its attention there's some national uh, folks that have brought the, it to light, not just covering mid-major, but but on the the, uh, the power five side of things that have talked about it uh, certainly we don't encourage uh, gambling, but Vegas was paying attention to it. They had a lot of handicappers that were talking about the game. And to me, when you get a Southern Conference getting that type of attention, it's it's a big game. And I really think Mike Young said it best. is uh, it, During the middle of the game, he turned around to the scores table, and he actually used the phrase, hey, I don't know if you all know this, but this is a high-level basketball game going out here. And uh, that was sort of the theme of the night. Everybody kept using the word high-level. 
And it was the truth. I mean, it was a, a, a game where ETSU max lead was six. The biggest lead for Wofford was four, and that came in overtime. And it was just a back and forth, can you top this? Nobody gave an inch. There were, um, you know, like a heavyweight fight. There were body blows and headshots going left and right, and everyone answered the bell. And at the end of uh, not just 12 rounds, they went to 15 rounds. Uh, Wofford stand, uh, you know, lost maybe a little less blood and went on the scorecard 78-76. I think that there were three distinct portions of the game offensively for Wofford. First, there was Storm Murphy in the beginning, right? You were saying it on the broadcast. Now he's averaging eight points a game, and within about seven, eight minutes, he had seven and then added two more, and so he's already above his season average then. You had Fletcher McGee for a good, you know, 15 or so minutes. Seemed like he was hitting a ton of shots. And then Cam Jackson, who went one of six, in the first, I think, 25 or so minutes. He was 1-5 of five in the first half and missed his first shot in the second half. He made his last six shots, ended up with 20 points. Yeah, he was 6-12 of 12 from the line. I'm not sure I've ever seen a player of the year candidate, and I certainly have said on this show, and Steve Forbes said himself on the coaches' show on Monday, that he thinks that Cam Jackson is the player of the year in the Southern Conference. I would agree. Airball two free throws in the same game and still have, give Ch- free Chick-fil-A to everyone in Freedom Hall as well, still have as big of a game as he did, 20 points eight rebounds and four assists, and then you could add a fourth phase back in an overtime where Wofford was really just going to Fletcher McGee. So it was McGee, it was Jackson, it was Murphy. I don't think we should be wholly surprised about that, but the game, Jay, I think was going how I pictured it going with the Bucks winning the contest. It was upper 50s, low 60s in regulation. Now you go to overtime, obviously that heightens the score a bit, but I think the game was going how I thought it needed to for ETSU to be competitive and win and I didn't think there was going to be any question they were competitive regardless but really have the best chance to win keeping it lower scoring unfortunately while they were right there there were a few things that I believe you could say they could have done better down the stretch certainly free throw shooting once again that's the you know if you had to pick really still the disappointing thing and there's certainly positives you could take there's negatives but I think the free throw shooting is when it just jumps off the page immediately and then I think maybe the second thing was, you know, ETSU very efficient inside the paint. And, again, for the second time against the Terriers, they really weren't that efficient inside the paint if you're talking about field goal percentage and such. Now, the other thing, ETSU dominate on the glass, so that was good to see considering that that turns like a plus 29 difference yes. in two games. The other thing I would say, the second chance points, they didn't have enough of those. Uh, going 19 in. offensive rebounds to eight second chance points. That's not a good ratio. No, it, it is not. Uh, generally, you know, there's a one-to-one feeling, you know, uh, of, of trying to get that. You're not going to make them all, but if you can get a point out of every one of those and occasionally hit a three, that even ups the mark as well. Neither team, and I'll say this, neither team gave up a second chance point to almost 26 minutes into the contest, and it was off a free throw. Right. That was the only second. It was still one nothing second chance point. So the first field goal was actually over 30 minutes into the game before the first second chance field goal came into play. That's to me that was an amazing stat and also shows uh, just what type of game they were in. And I, you know, try not to be critical of officials, and uh, I really have nothing to be critical about in that game at all. I thought they did a great job. Now, granted, every fan's not going to like every call. They did a great job of calling that how a championship game would be called, and how a NCAA tournament game would be called, which is. Let's get out of the way. Call a lot of obvious stuff. There'll be some calls again here or there that are judgment, block charges, other things. But let's get out of the way and let these guys decide who's a better man, right? And and I thought that was the way it should have been called. 
It was very entertaining to watch. Wofford showed great resolve, um, especially every time ETSU would go up six. I think they would immediately come back. And the funny thing is, how would the game would have changed if there was .2 seconds left uh, hmm. extra at halftime, right? right, with the three by Pat Good that banked in that was still on the fingertips when, and correctly wiped off in real time, right. right, as the referee saw it happen. And then they went back and checked, and it was the, the correct call. And everyone on press row that was a Buck fan, you could tell they were trying to hover around uh, D'Amico Childers, our replay guy. They all kind of looked at me with a head down and <laughs> knew that it was the right call at that point. So late not being able to really pull away, as Steve Forbes said, he thought ETSU could in the middle of that second half, going through a long lull of scoring and not being able to convert offensive rebounds to second chance points and then free throw shooting. The difference, I thought, because ETSU could have won that game in regulation, certainly. Here are Steve Forbes' thoughts. It was a high-level game played by two really good teams, very tough teams. Uh, we took through haymakers at each other. Uh, each one spit out some blood, kept going, and... Um, you know, we made a big-time – Bo made a big-time shot to put it in overtime, and Fletcher McGee made a big-time shot to basically win the game. And um, championship teams do that. I've seen them do it over and over. Um, I've seen Storm Murphy make two of those at the buzzer, and I've seen now Fletcher – you know, not at the buzzer, Fletcher McGee make a really hard three. I know we're doing a lot of critiquing, but really don't want the point to get lost that that was a basketball game worthy of everything that was brought to it. And – Two teams that I think very easily you could switch in the standings and people would be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I, unbelievable. And, you know, the amazing thing, it was – I don't know it was a must – it was more of a – it's weird. For ETSU to win a regular season championship, it was probably must a, a must win. For Wofford to continue to try to make a claim for if they do not win the conference tournament to get an at-large bid, it was probably a must win. So it was an interesting – must win in the scheme of the world. It didn't settle anything of who's going to represent the Southern Conference, right? And uh, um, it, it kept and it captivated, and I think, the, a national audience that did pay attention to it. You know, it didn't just kind of fall by the wayside. And a game like that continued to get some steam. And, you know, even today, I, I, I get in the office, I click, I go to I always go to the ESPN um, uh, men's basketball page, and the first thing I see is a big banner. It says, bubble team Wofford's officially on that bubble now and so just in case you didn't know that they're on the bubble they're always on the bracketology I think they're slotted on on, depending on what you see a 10 or 11 seed depending on which one you look at Um, uh, but they so they're getting it there now you've got people saying okay let's look at them they've really got no bad losses here's the crazy part last night's win for them was a quad one win Hmm. so uh, if you look at that I was looking at VCU VCU only has uh, one quadrant, one win, which was at Texas. They won by one. The A-10 has no games they play on the road that will be a quadrant one. Wofford's going to have a quadrant one loss against North Carolina, a win at UNCG, a win at ETSU, and their best quadrant two win was a 20-point win against South Carolina, and they have no losses uh, outside the top, I think it was 85 or 90. I'd have to go back and look that up, but – they don't have a bad loss. And so if they can continue to win out, it'd be hard-pressed to, to make an argument. And what they need is obviously some of the big teams to just keep beating up on each other. But it'd be hard-pressed if they don't win. Them uh, losing the championship game yeah, and yeah. getting with – I think I did the math the other day. It would be like – I think they'd be either 29-4 and four or 30. They, and they did lose one game because of uh, the wildfires back in mm. uh, December, early December. They lost the game at Stanford. Stanford, right. I do which, again, I don't, I don't know that that would have – 
you know, Pac-12 has been so bad, to be honest with you. I don't know if they would have lost it. It might have been a bad loss for them. Right. But, but if they won, it's another one you could you could put a feather in the cap and say, well, they did go uh, to a Power 5 team and, and did win. But certainly uh, that, that game lived up to the hype, and I thought Coach Forbes did a great job of describing it. Yeah, and right now you look at the poll. I mean, they're 31st in the country. They're sixth in the receiving votes. I don't know if this win is going to be enough to get them into that poll because there's a pretty sizable gap between Washington, Mississippi State, Auburn, Kansas State, then down to Baylor and Wofford in that receiving votes category. But very well could, especially if they get another win on Saturday. Here's Coach Forbes on a positive. Bo's playing really well right now, and he's he's healthy. You know, and that's a you know that's a big part of it. That you know he's he's feeling better, and so yeah, he played. He played a lot of minutes, and, that, and, and, and partly because, to be honest with you, I didn't feel very comfortable with our bench tonight. I didn't think they came ready to play. Uh, I thought that we lost our intensity um, defensively. I thought offensively we struggled when we were when we had our bench in there. So the starters went for a lot of minutes tonight, plus Tisdale. I don't want it to be that way, but if, it, if, it, if they're not going to produce and play, then they're not going to play. To Coach Forbes' point, 23 combined minutes for Trey Boyd, Kavad Tucker, and Lucas Goussaint, where Isaiah Tisdale played 30, Davian Williamson 22, Hodges and Rodriguez went 40 apiece, and then Milad and Armis went 34. So kind of a positive followed by a negative. Certainly watching the game last night, Bo Hodges, there was one play in particular. He caught the ball right at the left elbow, was on one defender who was kind of too, towards the middle of the floor. He turned away and just attacked a big man down low, hung in the air, got the foul, could have finished for a three-point play, just went off the rim. But that was about as athletic as I've seen Bo Hodges, and I think he looks darn near back to 100%, putting up 15 points, six rebounds, and five assists last night. And until they, they came off situation where they weren't trying to help, he was going to the rim at will. It, I mean, they, ha- like they had to uh, change the defense – around and the other thing he that's that's the best i've seen him jump he caught an alley-oop literally with about yep. his arm he could have dunked it with his armpits i mean it was unbelievable how much above the rim he was so that's a good sign too and you know he, he kind of had it going you know sort of looking like the the bow of old especially athletically uh and he had a little bit of help i think not having the bench give a little bit of help certainly certainly hurt and i know tisdale had a little bit of spurt there also uh, Boyd had a couple of shots there, but you know Lucas Casson never really got going. You know Kevon Tucker really didn't give him anything. I think moving forward, especially when you get in, in Southern Conference tournament, you got three games, three days, and fatigue. And I think they're going to have to certainly. Yeah. And that's been the strength of ETSU's been the bench. It just wasn't yesterday. Yeah, and I, I get Steve Forbes' frustration, but I, I agree with you that at some point, and you know perhaps guys can suck it up for three days and win the games they need to in the SoCon tournament. Uh, but I think to have your best chance at winning that title and going on to the NCAAs, you do need some bench scoring and bench contributions, just good minutes from the bench. I'm not saying guys got to go for 10, 15, 20 points, but to have more than 23 combined minutes between three of the four bench guys that play would help. Coach Forbes knows, got to be a short memory. We don't have much time, you know. And, uh, they got to go home tonight and get to bed, and tomorrow we'll have a short walkthrough, and then we got to go down there and get put, you know, get ready to play an afternoon game. And, thought we had a good game plan against them last time, you know, and, and we got we got to do it again. And it's a very winnable game on the road, and we need to get it. You know, that's what I told them, challenged them inside. I said, listen, two years ago we lost a game like this to, to, to Greensboro at home. You know, uh, Francis Alonzo hit the front of the rim, ball went up, went in. We lost a hard-fought game, went over there and got beat by them, and then won the, t- and won the title. 
you know, in, 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 in Asheville. It's not over, man. It, we just got to continue to continue to get better and play. It's a tough league. Um, a lot left, a lot left to play for, and uh, we just got to stay on this path. That's a good transition to our talk about Furman, which we'll have after this break. Steps out for a timeout. More Sanderson sidekick right over this from the Buccaneers Sports Network. It's funny how things can multiply, like cold weather. One minute, a few snowflakes fall. The next, you need a snowblower just to find your feet. Or tardiness. Run two minutes late in the morning, and you're a half hour late to work. Come on. But good things come from multiplying, too, like the new Multiplier Instant Games, which give you a chance to multiply your winnings. So go ahead. Enjoy the good kind of multiplying today with the new Multiplier Instant Games, only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Wow, am I happy about my new Wow Rate e-checking account at Citizens Bank. I got a huge rate on my deposit and great account features. With that sort of a deal, I'm saving for much-needed Bucks tickets to cheer on my team. Learn more about WowRate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. WowRate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. Go Bucks! Bank your own one. Citizens Bank member FDIC. Looking to promote your business but don't know the best avenue? Stand out from the crowd and go big with billboards. We're Allison Outdoor, and we're the new guys in town. Whether it's digital or traditional billboards, our locations span the Tri-Cities. If you're looking for high exposure for a day, a year, or anything in between, we have rates and packages for you. Call Nick Stickley for pricing at 423-360-4809 or allisonoutdoor.com. And go Bucks! Food City is excited for another thrilling basketball season with the ETSU Buccaneers. Even when slicing up the finest cuts of beef, selecting the freshest produce, or preparing the sweetest baked goods, we live and breathe navy and gold. So go get them, Bucks. On your quest for a Southern Conference championship and beyond, Food City is with you every step of the way. Food City, official supermarket of ETSU Athletics. Johnson City Hyundai is proud to support East Tennessee State Athletics. Excellence in education, teamwork and trust, success and understanding. They are the core values that drive the ETSU Athletics program to excellence. ETSU Athletics and Johnson City Honda, a winning combination. The Johnson City way. Today and every day, Johnson City Honda is committed to bringing the Tri-Cities a truly unique way to buy a new Honda or a certified pre-owned Honda. It's a way of business we like to call the Johnson City way. When you come to Johnson City Honda... You can have the confidence in knowing you're getting a great deal along with outstanding customer service that will last long after the sale. We invite you to come by today and shop our outstanding selection of vehicles and experience a different way, an easy way, our way, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, proud to support the ETSU Athletics Program. Today and every day, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, Johnson City. And the sidekick back with you. Just got done recapping last night's contest, ETSU versus Wofford. It's ETSU Furman. As we got a, I'd love to talk a little more about that, but not too much time to dwell on it. Mike Gallagher, ETSU, has to turn around and play a previously ranked Furman Paladins team. If you believe 
some of the indexes and uh, BPI, for an example, and uh, net rankings and all that, as far as the BPI that ESPN puts together, ETSU, BPI 60, Furman 73, mm-hmm. UNCG 74, and, of course, Wofford, as expected, uh, the highest-ranked team at 25. Uh, all four teams are ranked highly in all of those statistical uh, ranking systems, the NET, the old RPI, BPI, all that good fun stuff. Either way, Furman's probably had this circled on the calendar because that game uh, did not go away that they particularly wanted in Johnson City in late December. Yeah, those four teams should be where they are, I think, in those rankings. But you mentioned the ranking that was right around the time that ETSU and Furman met the first time around this year, or should I say this season, back in the calendar year of 2018. They were coming off the loss to LSU on the road. I believe they were ranked going into the LSU game, and then with that 18-point loss, they dropped out of the rankings right around Christmas, and then ETSU really put it to them uh, here here in Freedom Hall in Johnson City. I mean, I didn't think there was much of a question about who was the better team that night. Coach Forbes mentioned before the break that he really liked the game plan, thought it put ETSU in a lot of good positions, and really put the Bucks in a position to blow the Paladins out of the water like they did, 79-56, to 56, shooting 60% from the floor, plus 10 on the boards. Uh, you look at fast break points, ETSU just kind of outpaced Furman. They were plus 13. In fact, Furman didn't get out on the fast break all day, 13 to nothing. ETSU had the advantage in fast break points. And then you look at the guys that contributed. It was a lot of the men down low for the usual for ETSU with Aladdin Armas getting 8.7 rebounds off the bench and the two starters that day who happened to be Jerome Rodriguez and Lucas Goussaint going 13 of 17 combined from the floor 32 points and 16 rebounds so those three really feasted but you also had Davian Williamson and Patrick Good in double figures both hitting four shots and seven threes between the two of them so that day, there really was no doubt who the better team was. Since then, Furman has won seven of their ten. They had a little stretch there where they struggled, but against very good teams. You had uh, the ten-point loss on the road to UNCG, the five-point loss, that game against Wofford that we talked about yesterday where it was 54-54 to going into the final 80 seconds and 59-54 in favor of Wofford, the final. And then the other loss, which is maybe the one that got a few people scratching their heads at home to Sanford, but at the same time, you look and say, Sanford's been so close so often, they were bound to get one eventually. And it was very odd to see Furman have a 10-point lead because, you know, they they have a decent uh, student section. Not the rest of the crowd, but students do a good job of showing up, kind of racking some havoc. And the the big thing is, you know, the football team, lacrosse team, and they do a good job of showing up, switching ends of the floor, and – kind of creating that home environment. And, you know, I think Fer- ETSU probably caught Furman off that high of the top 25, just to be honest, and, and a disappointing loss to LSU. Well, let's also say this. I think ETSU had that game circled to try and move past the Wofford game from four weeks ago because you lose your first conference game, yeah, then you true. got a chance to just sit there for four weeks. And, and like, well, and we can't wait to get back in conference play. Right, and they, and they had just rattled through the, uh, uh, the Don Haskins Sun Bowl Invitational and were kind of rolled through that of playing pretty good basketball, still playing pretty good basketball but you know I think it was a couple of uh, three-point shots that kind of rolled out and, and didn't go down for Furman early that kind of set the tone and then you're right if you look at the the stats where ETSU have struggled against Wofford inside the paint they certainly had no issues uh, inside the paint 42 points in the paint high efficiency numbers you've already brought out you know Furman only had eight turnovers in the contest and still lost by 23 that's usually tough to do uh, to hang on uh, to that, but Bucks had four players in double figures. Again, it was a, a little bit of a new look lineup. 
So it would be curious to see. ETSU's had some dramatic games down at Furman. Uh, you know, last year, obviously, they had the DeSante Bradford game winner. A couple of years ago, Furman had a game winner down there. And, and then uh, I think two years before that, ETSU had Gilon Gwynn uh, a chance at a game winner. It rattled out. And then there was a rebound. It was kicked out to Cromer. I guess it was Forbes' first year. And he missed one. So I think the Bucks are 2-2 two and two down there. And almost every single one of them have gone down to the wire. So it wouldn't shock me if that would be a game that would uh, you know, be tightly contested. It comes down again to a single possession. And it does make a tough back-to-back trip if you think about it. You know, ETSU playing Furman and Wofford. And any team playing Furman and Wofford, that's just different than playing VMI, UNCG, right? Or playing Western and ETSU for that matter. Like, you get, and I don't want to call it a game off because that's unfair to VMI West right. Carolina, but... You know that's the the toughest two game stretch you got at, at the way that the schedule falls out uh, within forty eight hours exactly home and just, road yeah whoever plays those two teams is at a little bit of a disadvantage I think because you get that situation and then you also throw in the fact that because of the early game in December now you've got the weird Thursday home game but yet Saturday got to go on the road to Furman. Uh, which changes things up. So either way, uh, I, I think it'll be entertaining. The one thing I think is always funny, um, you know, they always do all these computer rankings to tell you, but I found it funny that the human polls, right, the coaches poll, still has Furman getting more votes than Wofford. Really? Yeah. Do you think uh, maybe Villanova and a couple of those other ones are still throwing Furman on the board? Well, because Villanova their, has their been case. resurgent. They're back up yeah, right around so, the top So they need, they, they, they need other teams to look at. But right now – Furman has 12 in the coaches' uh, poll uh, votes or points, whatever it is. Wofford has six. That's insane. UNCG and ETSU, by the way, none. So the fourth-place team, somebody in the coaches' poll, I think uh, maybe is uh, over-inflated. A couple. So I would say some of those voters, and that's what's kind of laughable about that. <laughs> I, listen, I'm telling you, that, that, that's how the game works. That's why a lot of people don't like uh, the coaches' polls because they're like, the coaches really don't. And the coaches want a voice, but the coaches really don't see, right, College basketball, they just look and say, okay, here's what I want, whatever. And then they have the SID or whatever, fill it out. That's how it always is. So I do find that laughable that in the coaches' poll, Furman is still ahead of Wofford. And I think everyone in the league, other than maybe Furman, would agree with me. And maybe not even Furman would agree with that. I think going back to Furman and just how they've been playing lately, I think the one thing that really stands out over the last six games since that 89-79 loss to UNCG, they have really tightened it up defensively. And they had a full week after that Spartans game to work on some things, tweak, hone, get better, and I think they used it wisely and well because you give up, you know, 59 to Wofford, 58 to Chattanooga, yeah, 75 to Sanford, but then 61 to a high-scoring Citadel team on the road, 63 at Mercer, and then 45 last night to Mercer. It was 26 to 13 at the half, so impressive to see their defensive performances. So this is a game where I think ETSU, if once again, just like the Wofford game last night, I think it will probably be a tighter, lower-scoring game. I don't think it's going to be a shootout. I think ETSU, again, has a better chance. If Now, I, I think ETSU has more scoring options than Furman. I, I think the way it's kind of worked out, it's Rafferty and Lions. And I think coming into the year, you'd say that's probably the most likely scenario. Clay Mounts here and there, but Rafferty and Lions certainly have been the big two or ETSU can go to literally seven guys. But I think Furman, much like ETSU, coming off a three-game road trip where they won all three, they'll be feeling very good because it was at Citadel, at Mercer, and at Western ending last night for uh, Furman. So they'll be happy to be back in front of their home fans for four straight. It's ETSU, UNCG, 
VMI and Wofford. And as you said, with the way the schedule works out, I think ETSU and UNCG back-to-back is tough, right? But they got five games between – or five days between the games. So they've got some time to sit and think about how they're going to attack UNCG, where ETSU – really is going to have to just forget about the bad parts of the Wofford game. I think they should try and remember overall how they played because I thought it was at a very high level, and I think against 99% of other mid-major teams, maybe exclude Gonzaga or Nevada or a Buffalo, that ETSU wins that game if they play that well against anybody else. So if they can bring that level into the Furman game, much like Steve Forbes said post-game, they're going to be fine. I, for Furman, I, I think you you look at it because they, they were the darlings early, and now they've kind of fallen to, to, to the wayside to ETSU, UNCG, and Wofford. Do you think that if you would have told them before the season they're 19-5 and five with four losses in the league, they would have taken it? I think they would have. I, I think, yes. I think but, they're right around yeah, well, yeah, they tell me you're going to get a paycheck and go win at Villanova, I'm sure you're, you're, you're loving that. But, I mean, overall, I think you're right around where you thought they would be. And, and they were picked about fourth, I yes, think, in most right. people's polls. So they, they are uh, what everybody thought they were, if you will, uh, Denny Green, the late Denny Green. Right, uh, but I'm thinking, you know, the way it sets up for them, you know, they're like, okay, if we can survive Western, then you get ETSU, put a lot of energy into that, and then they can really shake things up because you're right. They get five days for UNCG. You know, again, no offense to VMI, but then they're going to get them at home a couple days later. Then they get a whole week, and so does Wofford. Wofford gets a week as well. But they get a whole week to prepare for Wofford, and where they had that brutal start of the schedule of taking on those three teams on the road to start the year, which, by the way, I think ETSU slated to do that next year. They will play on the road, Wofford, Furman, and UNCG before they get them at home. Furman's like, okay, everybody's kind of forgotten about us, but guess what, guys? We get all three of you at home here in the next four games for us. Right. And if they go undefeated in that, boy, do they jump right back into the, the conversation of everything else. How big do you think seeding for the one through four teams is? Do you think that having the four is a major disadvantage because you have to face Wofford in the semis? Or is there not enough about gap matchups. between Wofford and UNCG for it to matter? Oh Well, I think if you're a Buck fan, you would love to – figure out a way for ETSU and Furman to, to be on the same side, whether that be the 2-3 or whatever it would be, because ETSU has had more wins versus Furman than the other two. The other thing is UNCG and Wofford's had a, a little bit of uh, issues in the past, and, and they've had some tight games and some, some bloodbaths, if you will. Uh, just look at last year's semifinal contest. And so I think if somehow – Furman were to beat UNCG, ETSU to beat UNCG, and Wofford to beat UNCG, and it puts ETSU and Furman in a 2-3 slot. I think that might be what Buck fans would want, but I don't know. Some Buck fans, some fans in general would be like, no, I want to beat one team, UNCG in the semis, and Wofford in the finals, whatever. I don't know if you've met me, Mike. I'm all for the easiest path. You are. And uh, I think beating Furman, you know, playing Furman and beating Furman, getting the championship game, and then letting UNCG and Wofford hammer each other out, assuming both both teams. And there's always an upset. You know, you can look at every conference tournament. There's always a team, you know, a 5, 6, 7 seed, and especially in, in the SoCon, a 7, 8 seed has a little bit of an advantage. It's a disadvantage because they played night before, but in the same token, they've got a game in. The other teams have to wait a week before they play because when they play on that uh, March, what is it, 2nd or whatever, that last day? Yes. Yeah, March yep. 2nd, that last day. They don't play again until Saturday the 9th. they got a whole week to sit back, and you don't know who you play until, you know, like midnight. Uh, and then you got to turn around and play somebody next day. So we've seen eight seeds, seven seeds, you know, hang on. I think it was a couple years ago, Furman was a 10 seed and it only won one conference game. 
and all of a sudden they rattled off um, three straight wins and got to the conference championship game versus Wofford, ironically, and it was a four-point game in the championship. We make fun, but to your point, I think that the difference between having a Wofford or UNCG in the semis or getting who you want in the semis, like a Furman in your case, I think that there's just a difference in the championship game, right? Like fighting to get to the championship and actually being in the championship game is completely different. You can't judge how emotions and energy and the stakes and everything that uh, you have on the line will affect everyone in that championship game. So simply having the final best opponent in the final game, I think, is huge to your point, regardless of how much we tend to make fun of We'll step aside for a time at TTSU Firm, and don't forget that uh, game tomorrow on the network, 3.30 air time, 4 o'clock tip between the Paladins and the Bucks, and uh, also should be able to tune into that game on your television set if you're in the Tri-Cities area as well. We'll step aside for a timeout when we come back. UTSU Chattanooga Women's Basketball. We'll talk about that for this timeout. Your word from Santos and Sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Ballot Health is an integrated health care system built to meet the local needs in Northeast Tennessee and Southwest Virginia. Together with community, we are transforming our region. We're making communities healthier. We're expanding access to critical services in rural areas. And we're investing in health research and medical education. It's your story. We're listening. Ballot Health is proud to be the official health care provider of ETSU Athletics. Go Bucks! The Carnegie Hotel is Johnson City's only AAA four-diamond property that is unique, tranquil, and brimming with character, just adjacent to East Tennessee State University. When it's time to dine, Wellington's Restaurant in the Carnegie Hotel is the place to be, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner in grand style. And why not come indulge yourself at Austin Springs Spa, located right inside the Carnegie Hotel. East Tennessee's premier full-service spa provides everything you need to rejuvenate, revive, and renew. The Carnegie Hotel, 12 16 State of Franklin Road in Johnson City. Wendy's has three new hamburgers on the new made-to-crave menu. The barbecue cheeseburger, the sauce and bacon cheeseburger, and the peppercorn mushroom melt. They've got so much swagger, they'll change the way you think about hamburgers and the way you ride through our drive-thru. Maybe you'll lean your seat back a little. Maybe a lot. Maybe you'll roll your windows down. Or maybe your window's broken because you punched through it to get your hamburger faster. Try the three new hamburgers on Wendy's new made-to-crave menu and download the Wendy's app for craveable deals today. At Wendy's, we got you. At participating Wendy's. Mulligan Hardwood Flooring is a beautiful addition to any room. Enjoy the luxury of hardwood flooring in your home with Mulligan's prefinished, sold, or engineered, ready-to-install selection of beautiful hardwood flooring and a wide variety of domestic and exotic species. Please visit the following Johnson City locations to learn more. Dockery's Floor Covering, House of Paneling, Carpet and Door Mart, and K&M Flooring. Kingsport locations include Dalton Direct Carpets, Custom Floors by Carlin, and Providence Flooring and Paint. Visit the Smile Floor Service in Bristol. Trust the clear leader in quality hardwood flooring, Mulligan Flooring. General Shale is proud to support ETSU basketball and Southern Conference fans everywhere. Want to make the most of game day? Now you can design your dream home during pregame or halftime. The new My Designs app by General Shale lets you design custom projects right from your phone or tablet. Choose from up to 10 building types designed with over 50 of our most popular brick and stone colors. You can even share your designs with your friends. Download the My Designs app by General Shale on the App Store or visit MyDesignsApp.com to design your dream project today. Over the last 70 years, Johnson City Power Board has had a few different looks. But we've remained the same trusted partner you rely on. Now, we've changed our name to Bright Ridge to match our vision, to deliver on our promise of great service you can count on, embracing common sense technology, 
to strengthen the communities we serve. We're glad to be your public power provider. Bright Ridge, new name, renewed promise. Learn more at brightridge.com. Santos and the sidekick back with you. Third segment. We haven't heard much from head coach Brittany Zell in the women's basketball program because they had about a week off. They won the game against Western Carolina. Now they turn their attention to my favorite game of the year. No matter what sport, it's ETSU. It's Chattanooga. Jay Santos, Mike Gallagher with you. ESPN coverage of that. 2 p.m., 2 o'clock, Brooks Gym. You can go uh, watch that game of Brooks Gym, and then you can quickly get home. And if you're smart and you got one of those little uh, DVR thingies, jobbies, whatever you want to call them, you can go ahead and set to record uh, the game locally because it will be aired on Next Star, which owns the WJHL, which owns ABC and CBS. Channel 12 if you have direct TV. I don't know what it is on any other cable networks because I don't own that. But if you have it locally, you can go ahead and set it to record. You can come in. And you can watch it from the beginning, fast forward through the commercials. You'll be caught up before halftime. Easy right. plan. What do you think about that, Mike? Very Gallagher? exciting. I think it's a great plan. So let's talk about it. You've been entrenched there. You were there for the first game, so I'm going to defer to you to start with. I've got a couple of thoughts on how this game uh, could go or should go for ETSU, but uh, you were there the first game. Your thoughts on the rematch between the two teams? Well, I was very unimpressed. If you remember talking about it right after that Monday, it was the first conference game for ETSU and for Chattanooga, and it was a 76-67 to 67 victory for the Mox, but it was a game that was really a lot closer than that. Now, at the time, we didn't really know Ebony Williams would turn into, I don't want to say the force that she is, quote-unquote. I'd still say that her best game of the season was against ETSU. She is the one that changed that game, I thought. Yes, Lakeland Bolden had 19 points, but they were pretty quiet 19. A lot of them were late because she hit a lot of free throws when ETSU was trying to foul to stay in the game. Turns out Lakeland Bolden is a very good free throw shooter. She hit the one she needed to on 9 to 10 from the stripe, had 19 points to lead the way. But Ebony Williams, when ETSU was getting stop number one on a possession, Ebony Williams was literally head, shoulders, and maybe even torso above the rest on the offensive glass. She ended up with 11 rebounds and 17 points off the bench in 18 minutes. I mean, that is a high production rate for that amount of time on the court. And Brooke Burns also finished in double figures with 11 points, five rebounds, and four assists. And again, Chattanooga kind of separated themselves a bit late. It was a three or four point game going into the last few minutes, but then ETSU couldn't get the baskets they needed to overtake the mocks on the road. That was the front half of a double header, so they don't keep attendance. I can tell you it was not very full at the roundhouse uh, before the men's game, and so the atmosphere was, I don't think, one that intimidated uh, ETSU. It's a big arena. We definitely know that. It's really the biggest in the Southern Conference in terms of capacity with women's basketball, but there was nothing really to fear going into that game. You're coming off two weeks of ETSU being able to prepare for the contest. At that time, they were 2-14, and 14, and I thought they came out with a lot of energy. I thought they came out with a renewed sense of um, stick-to-itiveness and uh, determination. Unfortunately, they did just come up a bit short. Things that need to happen that were different from that game. Uh, ETSU turned it over 17 times. That's not a huge number, but Erica Haynes-Overton had seven of those turnovers. I think that at that time, and for the first three or four games of the conference here, Erica was trying to figure out, should she be the takeover player? Should she try and get her teammates involved? When you are the defensive and freshman Southern Conference Player of the Year. You come in highly touted. The number one from last year is gone. You're stepping into new shoes. There's going to be some transition periods with things going the way they did in the non-conference. I don't think how anyone wanted right at 2-14. and 14. 
I believe, and this is just speculation, I haven't talked to Erica about it, but that she was maybe trying some different things to see if the Bucks could get their results and win a couple of ball games. What she did that game did not work. You know, nine points, six rebounds, seven turnovers, four eight from the field. She just wasn't a main part of the offense. Lately, she has been the part of the offense. Fifty-five points in the last six quarters. I mean, that's outrageous. So Erica Haynes Overton, I believe, has found the right balance of getting others involved and taking over herself. She hit those icy, just clutch free throws against Western Carolina with five tenths of a second left to send it to overtime. She obviously is going to have to be big. And Micah Sheets had really one of her first big games of the year against Chattanooga. Nineteen points at that time, tied a career high. She's averaging 15 points per game in conference play. She's been big on this homestand along with Erica. So look for those two. No surprise to carry the load. Yeah, I think the the one thing about that game is, uh, and, and it, I think it starts with uh, Haynes Overton. It starts with Sheets. Lexa Spears had an unbelievable yeah. game. Uh, just looking at her numbers and and uh, you know me just trying to remember the game because I think I was uh, I think I was down at Mercer uh, when it was. So I was listening to your call on the tail end of it. So. Um, I, I think if they could get three or four scores in double figures and spread the wealth, the one thing is we know the advantage ETSU is going to play at home, which means they're going to score more points. They just average uh, 20 more points per game. It's unbelievable. So uh, something's got to give because one of the best field goal percentage defensive teams in the conference is Chattanooga, and I think it's going to start with ETSU trying to create points off turnovers. Um, they had, I think, 25 in the first matchup. Uh against Chattanooga off their 17 turnovers. So I think, again, they're going to have to get turnovers. they got to get some easy buckets. I think they've got to get some help from the inside play, which which really the last couple games really hasn't been that, that existence, right? they they got to get back to getting some post play. That way it opens up even better looks for Haynes Overton, for Sheets, and a couple ladies that can hit from the outside. So that, that would be my thing. One, can they keep Chattanooga off the glass? Two, can they – uh, they always create turnovers. I'm not worried about that. But can they score off those turnovers? And better yet, can they take care of the basketball a little better at home than what they've been doing? And then can they hit shots? And I know that's four things. And you could probably look at a majority of college basketball and go, okay, those four things dictate a lot. But it's the truth, especially for ETSU at home to be successful. And conference standings are starting to shake out a little bit uh, better in the women's side to get a look and. You know, ETSU starting to climb that ladder at four and three. If they can get to five and three, and then knock Chattanooga down, I think to six and two at that point, mm-hmm. then they're you know kind of, kind of knocking on the door to have an opportunity to get in that first or second seed. Yeah, this is a matchup of top three teams. I mean, there's Mercer, of course, still undefeated. Their only loss, Chattanooga, was to Mercer. So seven and zero for Mercer, six and one for Chattanooga. Then you've got Furman at five and three, ETSU at four and three so they've still got a game in hand and this is an important one for the Bucks because they are 0-13 away from Brooks Gym and four of their last six after this do come on the road I think that if they can get this victory and I think it is 100% attainable for ETSU simply because of how Chattanooga looked early I know that they've only lost once and it was two Mercer since then some may be saying well what do you know about how Chattanooga looked I mean they've been fantastic they're six and one I understand that but to the eye and just the general fact of being dominant compared to uh, beating teams that you should by low double digits, I get you're doing what you're expected to do, and it does take a good team to do that like Chattanooga is, but I don't think at any point this conference here they have been particularly impressive. Maybe most of all during that Mercer game was perhaps their best contest, even though it was a loss where they kept Mercer tight right down to the end, although it does seem like Mercer plays every game pretty close. So 
if you can get this victory, get to five and three, pull within one game of second place, and start to play for that top two seed. And also, not only top two seed, but should Mercer, if they do get the one seed, go on to win the conference tournament, then correct me if I'm wrong, but that is an automatic bid if you're the second seed in the conference tournament champion wins the conference um, or the conference regular season champion wins the conference tournament, then you are in the WNIT. So that's big. I mean, to get that postseason berth, it would be the third in five years for ETSU. You have Wofford on the road Thursday. It's that weird education day. It's the 11 a.m. Oh, start. Yeah, and so, and we had Wofford here last year for that same game. And, and I think that ETSU, while they were better than Wofford last year, no doubt, I think they kind of caught Wofford napping a little bit. I think ETSU, if they can do that again on the road in front of all those screaming kids, it's just there's a lot that's thrown into that contest, a lot of variables that you wouldn't otherwise have. So, yeah, I mean, Chattanooga's been pretty solid. I, I solid, not spectacular, I think, all over in conference play. I mean, you look at the conference stats, and they're really top two or three in most of them. Good rebounding team, number one in block shots by a significant margin, good field goal percentage defense, uh, like we said, crash the glass. And they're, they're scoring, too. I mean, they're number three in the league in scoring during – conference play. So this is going to be a good t- contest. I think ETSU's crowd will be able to help them. I think Erica Haynes, Overton, Micah Sheets, and then I 100% agree with you if they can get either Carly Litton from outside to return to some of her form from early in the year when she broke her career high two times, or excuse me, three times that it was heading into the year, or if you can get Brittany Snow and Lexus Spears, even Anaje Stephanie who can step out and hit a shot. Tadasia Tipps who's shown a little bit more offensively lately. They'll be in good shape. And I think that... I- the more that players can get double figures, uh, I, I think the best, especially against Chattanooga. Chattanooga tends to have a little bit of a balanced attack. That they do. Defensively, they do. Generally, the, and I know it's a new coaching staff this year, but generally they've always you know, tried to take the, the top one or two scores away. And I think if you could just get – I don't think they have to have monster games, but if you can get – you know, Kyle Upton to, to get the double figures, Brittany Snowden get the double figures, Lexus Spears, if you can get, you know, two of the three or even, uh, you know, maybe somebody like Carly Litton hits a couple of shots, she can get the double figures hitting two or three threes. But, I mean, if they can get a couple of players in double figures, not named Sheets and Overton, I think that's going to be important for ETSU in this contest. And I think that if they can get them from the inside play, I think that would be even better because it would – allow the other two shooters to create and be able to get better looking shots. One note on Erica Haynes-Overton, and she's approaching the end of her sophomore year. Two notes, I should say. She's already halfway to breaking the Southern Conference career record for steals in a career, so she's on pace to do that. And she needs to average 22 points per game the rest of the way. Now, this is just the regular season, so there will be some leeway there in the postseason. But 22 points per game the rest of the way to get to 1,000 points as a sophomore. Do you think she does it? Considering the fact that the conference tournament adds a game two, maybe yeah, three yeah, more, no, I think uh, it's very possible. Like, you know, and, and the fact that it's wide open, she can get a couple more games. And if you get a WNIT game, mm-hmm. um, I'm actually I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say she does. And she's averaging 29.5 per game the last two games, so that helps too. Yeah, it certainly does. All right, that's a look at our preview. Don't forget, it's 2 o'clock, Brooks Gym, ETSU versus Chattanooga. It's Fan Appreciation Alumni Day. Over at Brooks Gym, 2 p.m. there. The men play at 4 p.m. down in Greenville, South Carolina. We'll step aside for a timeout. The ever-popular. I don't really think it's that popular. Old prediction. We'll give you our losers of the week coming yes. up after this timeout from the Bucket Air Sports Network. Let Ferguson's knowledgeable product experts kick off your next kitchen or bath project with the latest in touch and hands-free faucets. High-performance gas ranges. Or low-decibel dishwashers. 
Request your appointment today at fergusonshowrooms.com. The best decision ever. Visit your local Ferguson showroom at 1000 Quality Circle in Johnson City and choose from an extensive lighting collection of the most sought-after brands. Find the one-of-a-kind fit for your home at Ferguson. The Firehouse Restaurant in downtown Johnson City has been a proud supporter of the Bucks since 1980. Our hickory smoked barbecue, sides, sauces, dressings, and desserts are all made from scratch because that's the way the locals like it. Our tailgate packs are available through Firehouse Catering for 12 or more, starting at just $8 per person. The packs are available all season on Fridays, Saturdays, and Mondays. For more information, visit thefirehouse.com. Come see us before the big game. The Firehouse, 627 West Walnut Street between ETSU and downtown Johnson City. How many places do you ever go without your smartphone? My name is Wesley Fletcher with the First Bank and Trust Company. Now you can pay securely for your purchases with your smartphone too. Just add your check card to the wallet app on your phone to pay for all your purchases. So keep on moving, keep on traveling, and keep on shopping with the First Bank and Trust Company and Apple Pay and F, providing mobile solutions when you need them most. Your bank for life. Firstbank.com. Member FDIC. Look, if you're like me, you got a lot to remember. Like, remember to pick up some refreshingly cold lemon-lime Mountain Dew ice. Sounds good, doesn't it? Well, here's my trick. If it's a nice day, I think nice rhymes with ice. And that reminds me, I better get some Mountain Dew ice. Or if someone asks me for the time, I think time rhymes with lime, like in lemon-lime. If I work at it, anything can remind me to get to the store and get myself some Mountain Dew ice. Mountain Dew ice. Remember to get some. Welcome back to Smooth 92.2. I'm Dr. Love, and I want to hear the secret to your romantic success. We've got Brian on the line. Bry guy, what'd you do? Well, I wanted to spice things up, so I surprised my wife with instant games from the Tennessee Lottery. Ooh, and did those work, Brian? You know they did, Dr. Love. It doesn't take a relationship expert to know you can't go wrong with February instant games. Only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. There is no way LeBron James leads Cleveland again. I agree with Jarvis Landry. I think the Browns are a Super Bowl contender this year. How in the world can you not see that Big Baller Brand is far superior in making the NBA than Puma? Yeah, rumors fly a lot. Jason Witten is not going to Monday Night Football. I mean, the Mike Ayers rumor that he's leaving, no way. I bet he's there until 2025. Terrell Owens has made a career off jawing, running his mouth. Will he be in Chattanooga for his Hall of Fame induction? No chance. He'll be in Canada. Bold prediction. Jay Santos, Mike Gallagher, the ever-popular... Only by us. I don't bold think anybody else. Do you, do you think people take our bold predictions and just immediately go the other way? Mine were so good for so long, and they have. I think I'm o for my last two weeks. Uh, I don't even know. That's if why I, I like it. Up, I've uh, at least won one in two weeks. That's about I, all I've done. Have I even added up where we are? Right, I'm fine. If I you have don't. 14 oh. and 53. 14 of 53, I should say, for me, and you are 10 for 53. Mm-hmm. Again, much like every week, all you need is a good week, and you're much like, I think, Wofford and mm-hmm. ETSU last mm-hmm. night from about the, what, 12-minute mark to like the five-minute mark. You, just, you need the scores, and you just can't get the scores right now, Jay Sandoz. Cannot. I can't seem to put together a nice little run. I'm going to go, uh, we'll say this. Uh, I don't know. Well, let's just go with it. How about this? Men's basketball. Kay. I'm going to start there at Furman. Bench play non-existent. 
non-existent in the game against Wofford. I'm going to say two players off the bench in double figures to help the Bucks pick up their eighth straight road win against the Furman Paladins. Has Bo Hodges had a 20-point game? He had one, didn't he? I think he had one early in the year. Is that right? I don't. I don't know. I don't think he had a twenty-point game. I'm going to say year. twenty or more for Bo Hodges. Mm, that's a good one. Uh, I, I'm not sure how. Uh, top of my head, I don't think. I don't think I he's he had, had a twenty. One. I might be misremembering, but I don't know how necessarily bold on the terms of face value. Oh, freshman of the year coming off, you know, fantastic freshman season. But I mean, he had been healthy all year, I and, mean, he's, I, and he's I been good really lately. So I think that's where it maybe isn't as bold. But I'm going to say Bo Hodges, 20 plus. Uh, add to the fact that anybody at any time can go off for ETSU, and I think it's kind of like picking some a name out of a hat, isn't it? So I think in that way it is bold. Bo Hodges, 20 plus points, leading ETSU to victory. All right. So women's side, I'm going to go four players in double figures. Four players in double figures to help ETSU get the win against Chattanooga. I'm going to go out on a on a limb here, and it's not to cut down ETSU's ability to shoot free throws or anything like that. It's just very difficult for any team, regardless of level, regardless of men's or women's, regardless of pro or college, to make every free throw that they take in a game. ETSU 100% from the free throw line against Chattanooga in front of their home crowd. They have been on a good run lately of finishing above 70% in games in terms of free throws. I think it's like five of the last six. But I'm saying they jump up well above that, and they hit every single free throw to lead mm. themselves to a victory against Chattanooga to improve to 5-3 and three in the conference here. Love it. Let's go. All right, last one for Let's me. Let's go. And it, it, uh, I wanted to pull the trigger on a SoCon game, but I couldn't do it. I wanted, I wanted to pull the trigger on Chattanooga at home versus UNCG, but I just can't. I just can't say Chattanooga's going to win on a bold You've prediction. You've done it before, and I, it has fit you in the rear Yes, and, and I just, I'm not going to do it again. Not going to do it again. Although I do think that is a good game for Chattanooga uh, to sneak up and beat UNCG. I'm going to go in the ACC, the Clemson Tigers at home against Virginia Tech, the hokey, hokey, hokey high. It will go to the Tigers. I almost went with Sanford over Mercer on the women's side, dealing the Bears there first loss. Sanford played their best game against ETSU this year, I think, in conference play. Sanford hasn't even really come close and, and to playing Mercer that well. overtime in the first matchup. They did, yep. so I almost went with that, and of course, now that I don't go with it, it is going to happen, so if you're paying attention, I, I, I would rally behind that if I was anyone that was questioning it. Go to the side of Sanford, because I'm going to the side of Mercer in that matchup and not going with it, and all everyone knows that that probably means it's going to happen. I'm going with the Lakers over the 76ers on the road. Lakers coming off a walk-off winner from Rajon Rondo, 129-128, I think the score was, against the Celtics on the road. The 76ers just traded for Tobias Harris. Roster continues to get better and better and better. LBJ on the road against the Sixers. I'm quite sure that the Sixers will be favored by about four or five points. You're, you're giving me the think well, Listen, listen. Now you're wondering the, if that one's bold. No, no I'm, just, I'm just thinking the fact that they went from a uh, dysfunctional 40-point drubbing after the <laughs> – the, 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 where, where do you rank the New Orleans Pelicans just playing mind games with the Lakers? Mm. And how does that do – Without Anthony Davis, correct? Right. Because Davis isn't playing. He hasn't he, played for, They have now said he's going he's to. Going to, he's going to. But now. he didn't. But they did the whole, yeah, we're really serious about this. And then they kept leaking all the information uh, so that all the young players would be upset about their trade bait. And that led to some of my favorite chants. I think they were playing Memphis, was it? 
Uh, LeBron's going to trade you. Is that the yeah? <laughs> so and and then and then guys that weren't, they were like, "You're not tradeworthy." They were chanting, "You're not tradeworthy." So think about the trash talk of you're not even good enough to be traded. Oh, it was against the Pacers. Pacers, that's who it was. One thirty-six to ninety-four. Uh, Michael Beasley off the bench went 0 of 8. <laughs> that was some of the best LeBron's uh, work. LeBron's going to trade you. <laughs> yeah, it was either LeBron's going to trade you or you're not worthy. Yeah, right. Uh, something that. like that. So, and keep yeah, in mind the Pacers don't have Victor Oladipo. I mean, that that was kind of the thing with their season was well, it's pretty much over because Oladipo's done. Well, they beat the Lakers by 42. So I think it is bold. I think. I no, think I agree. The fact. I mean, here's a lot. You know, and then the 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 ball guys back, right? Lavar, Lavar, yeah, Lavar's back with yeah. a vengeance. Yeah, yeah. Some of those comments that how changed. Can, how yeah. can you say that Lonzo Ball isn't as good as LeBron James? And Shannon Sharps is looking at him like he has holes in his head outside of his eyes, years ago. and he seems to at times. It's incredible some of the stuff that comes out of his mouth. Mm-hmm. Lonzo Ball, just as good as LeBron James, according to Lavar. Hopefully, he is for the Lakers against the Sixers on Sunday. Well, you're pulling for at least once. All right, great week of shows. We'll be back to recap ETSU versus Furman, ETSU women's basketball. Versus Chattanooga. We got Austin Harris, JJ German, and Joe Panucci next week for preview baseball. So, full week coming up. All right, tune in, Sam Sucky. Don't forget, if you didn't catch us every day, it's very easy. You can subscribe to RHS feed on SoundCloud, iTunes, a couple other things now. Pick this up that were syndicated. You can easily get your Sandos and Sidekick fix on the back of there. Of course, that works.